Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Rugby Podcast. With your host, Mark Candy. I'm joined by Liam O'Brien again. New season, Liam. How are things? Good, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to another cracking season in the URC and the, the Champions Cup. Yeah, most definitely. Thanks to everyone who's uh, sent in well wishes throughout last season. Back with a vengeance. So what we're going to focus on tonight, Munster Rugby, very much in transition, Liam. Uh, there's been a few side stories in the last few weeks. We'll review them. We'll also look at the Emerging Ireland Tour. Is it a good or a bad idea? Uh, ahead of their opening tour game against Grecas in Bluefontaine on Friday afternoon. We'll also look at the URC. Um, take a few early picks. I suppose Munster playing Zebri in Musgrave Park on Saturday night. But there's a key game in the Kingspan uh, tomorrow, Friday, when Leinster travelled to Ulster. So we'll have a look at a few of those games. So I suppose, Liam, first we'll talk about our beloved Munster Rugby. Um, it's been, to say, a difficult season would be an understatement so far. Two very underwhelming performances in Wales against Cardiff Blues and Dragons. What's been your overall impression of the management, but I suppose the team performance is more importantly? Yeah, I don't know if you're worried about it, Mark, but I'm really, really worried. Because essentially, look, at the very start, we have two bankers of games. You would have had them as bankers to, to win, even though they were away, Cardiff and Dragons. I mean, that's the kind of the games that get you from mid-table to top of the table. Those sort of, you know, and already to be eight points down um, at the beginning of the season is is not, not a good look. Following on, I suppose, look from those those uh, losses that we took on at the end of last season. Uh, and then, of course, in between, we had the pre-season games. We lost all of the pre-season games as well. So... I think Munster are on a, like a streak of what, like um, two, four, like but seven or eight games now since you know. So it's it's not looking good, and I know people say about it takes time for the new coaching ticket to um, stamp their their influence on Munster and try to play, but really it just lo- looks like we're just starting from where we left off. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, Liam. It's been a very difficult. Again, I'll go back to an agile project management um, theory called the Tuckman model where an event happens and effectively with a new head coach and with new backroom staff as well with Dennis Leamy and Mike Prendergast. I mean, they're essentially in a forming stage right now. Even that backroom staff, head coach, head coach even admitted as much that he's learning on the job here a little bit after the Dragons game. When to basically be a little bit more kind of direct and when not to. So I think from that perspective, fair enough. But I think the player kind of psychology here a little bit, particularly that Dragons game last weekend, it really was a catalogue of malfunctions. Now, again, a few of the Irish Test Match players from the summer have been rushed back, I think a little bit. But it was an awful lot of cohesion issues throughout the boards. I mean, some of these stats for Munster Rugby. Now, we can say about the Cardiff Blues game, Cardiff had a fully stacked team with Toby Falatel. Liam Williams was on for a little bit. Josh Adams. I think Cardiff Blues thoroughly deserved that game. But against the Dragons, after what the Dragons encountered in their opening day, Dean Ryan save our season, press conference, you thought they were a little bit vulnerable to Dragons' Rodney Perrette. But some of the stats here, Liam, uh, make for very sorry reading for Munster. I mean, Dragons gained 422 metres underground. Um, 
Munster turned over the ball 16 times. Munster missed 31 tackles. The penalty count was 2-1 to one, uh, for Munster here. And uh, to be fair, tackles made. Uh, Dragons made 153 versus 131. Passes 168 for Munster, 148 for Dragons. Really kind of tells you to tell the tape here that on both sides of the ball here, Liam, even from a discipline perspective, even basic skill set execution, it just wasn't there in Rodney Parade. And hopefully there's been an awful lot of soul searching in the University of Limerick this week uh, from the Munster team and backroom staff to rectify stuff for ahead of the Zebra match. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully on the Monday they got a, a right shellicking because um, it's deserving. I mean, look, look in the, in this game we played for five minutes from the 35th to the 40th minute and we accumulated 14 points to go 17-15 in a half time. It was completely a run of play. It yeah. was a shocking first half performance there. And in every way, in terms of the breakdown, line out, scrum, defence, offence, you know, I mean, there's there's nothing to take from that game. There's nothing to take from that first half even, you know. Um, and we went in positively, I guess, at half time, just to up and the second half again, nothing. Didn't didn't fire a shot like in the second half. Um and the Dragons are a pretty average side. That's the thing about it, like, you know, as you said, as you pointed out, Cardiff have a bit of a bit of quality about themselves, you know. But defensively, again, we were all over the shop against Cardiff, and, and you'd have to say the same here, like, you know, they had so much breaks. Honestly. I mean, I mean, it's almost because they were such a an average side that they just didn't finish us off, quite frankly, you know, when they should have in the second half. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, we're keeping the Dragons RFC. Literally, the points were taking over here at a regular rate from JJ Hanrahan. It was a decent game overall uh, for the Dragons. You know, 9th, 15th minute, 22nd minute, 26th. Like, 3, 6, 9, 12. I mean, where, where are you going here from Munster? You know, infringements in the breakdown. Not rolling away. Offside. I mean, for the referee, he's getting early impressions here. He's getting early images of Munster being indisciplined. And it continued. Throughout the game, and I thought, as you say yourself, uh, Liam, given the possession count that the Dragons had second half, better teams would have finished Munster off long before uh, Dyer's try. And probably we can get to that as well. I mean, you know, the the Healy Archer tries, as you say, were I thought well worked. It was probably the only time that Munster really got front football, essentially, and that was after Dyer's kind of yellow card on 35 minutes uh, that we were able to express ourselves. But that Dyer try. <laughs> Excuse the pun, it was dire from Munster defensively, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. But, but I mean, like, again, yeah, uh, it was the, the two guys, it was definitely Fekatoa and O'Mahony together, you know? It should have been one up, one tackle, <laughs> down, very, very simple, like, you know? And, and quite frankly, any sort of a grab and a hold of your man would have stopped him, you know? But um, yeah, it was, it was, it was dire to see. Um, and the, the the thing was again, in spite of all the dragons play, that dire try was what broke us, and we had so much errors, particularly around the the sixtieth to the seventieth minute, that we were still you know one kick or one shy away from winning the game. So that that kind of kind of sticks in the craw. And then to see O'Mahony, but normally I I agree with him <laughs> when he's barricading players and and the ref, but like. It was almost as if he was frustrated, quite frankly, with, with the way Munster were. Um, he was trying to get something going. And, 
Yeah, uh, just um, overall, no players stood out for Munster, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, the Dragons overall had 61% of territory. I think that really tells you an awful lot here, Liam, about the physicality, the gain line battle. Dragons, we should have expected a feedback. And uh, to be perfectly honest, Munster, I've never really seen Munster really express themselves too well over in Rodney Parade. It's usually in February, March, on a very wet and miserable day. There are no excuses here for this uh, for this performance, Liam. I mean, there was a slight breeze, but again, pristine conditions from a Rodney Parade perspective. And to be perfectly fair, the missed tackle count to 31. But as you say, from minute 60, like JJ still kept us in this game. I mean, there was a few penalty conversions missed. We had a few opportunities into Dragon's half late on. We just needed a little bit of composure. Pack basically dominating here in terms of good go-forward ball. Never really seemed to materialise. And it seemed like the ball carrier was very vulnerable for Munster throughout. That breakdown work that was really exposed by a very outstanding Cardiff Blues team in week one. Dragons obviously saw the video analysis here. Basham, Moriarty, I thought were very kind of clinical at key times here to, you know, secure turnover ball at critical times. But our handling as well, I lost count really in the last quarter of passes not going to hand attacking moves, guys literally not in the same wavelength in terms of attacking lines, just real basic stuff that you'd hope you'd be training a little bit more from a University of Limerick perspective. It was just all very disappointing from a Munster Rugby perspective. Yeah, it was. I mean, like, you know, we had, I suppose, you know, Fekitoa with an arm for a high tackle, and then we had the likes of Haley with a forward pass, when you know when there was oh. there was a there was a try scoring yeah. opportunity on like you know um, it's just it's a killer yeah those sort of errors those niggly sort of um errors that creep in um and maybe it's a bit of monster trying to force the play but yeah um it just didn't work out yeah pretty much i mean there's been a cost to monster in this game particularly keith Earls had to retire early with the hamstring injury then coombs came on jan klein Basically went off early as well. You'd had Ty Byrne probably not expecting to take as many minutes as he's did, you know. And to be fair, you know, it has been a kind of a gradual kind of process here for Munster of trying to embed the Test match players from the Ireland New Zealand tour back. And to be fair, I'm not wouldn't criticise the senior players really. I think this is where the squad players really had to stand up and deliver here. This was a tricky, tricky tie, particularly in the last 20 minutes when the game was in balance. Just didn't get the sense here from a leadership perspective, particularly within the squad, the internal squad, these non-Irish capped players. Nobody really took this game by the scruff of the neck from Munster, which is a very disappointing attribute, I would say, uh, kind of going forward for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it is, it is true. It's it's kind of like, it, it, to be fair, coming back, O'Mahony and, and um, Byrne, the likes of them, First game back, this emerging Ireland thing, I'd say, came on a few on a few weeks ago. They definitely were like three or four games away from from making their season debuts. That's that's no there's no doubt about that. Like, and suddenly they're forced into it. But like, I, I kind of noticed that that the Dragons had a very good line speed, and teams that have good line speeds and come up, uh, most just have no no answer to it really. You know, that, that that's the that's 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 quite worrying. Um. Yeah, in terms of the kind of the, the next players down, 
the guys who are kind of going to be there when the internationals are away. I mean, yeah, they 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 really haven't stood up in a lot of games, and um, you wonder is it because of the culture that's now in Munster, or are the players not really that good enough? And that's that's kind of what you'd really have to be thinking about. Well, I think we're kind of soon going to find out that answer here, Liam, because at the weekend on Saturday, as uh, every rugby come to Musgrave Park, and to be perfectly fair, it's it is it's a must-win game for Munster rugby, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is absolutely. Yeah, it is because otherwise you're going to a difficult away, you know, game against Connacht, and then you have uh, I'm not sure which order you've Leinster and and Ulster, so then you're looking at a potential what five six match losing streak. Yeah, yeah. because if you look at Zebri Rugby's start of the season here, Liam, it's been quite impressive. I know they've lost both their games at home. Leinster Rugby, I thought they ran Leinster Rugby very close. And then last weekend against the, the Sharks, again, another narrow miss for them. And they're scoring quite heavy here. They scored 29 against Leinster on round one, 37 against the Sharks. Granted, they leaked 42. They have a massive pack here, Liam, which will be a very intriguing aspect here. How do our front five basically respond to last weekend? A pack of 922 kg is coming to Cork at the weekend. And I suppose Graham Rountree will be the first to basically tell the Munster front five here that are selected to kind of um, get their house in order. Because this every side before seemed to be very much whipping boy material. But these first two games, particularly in this season, indicates maybe a different mould of every team here that we haven't seen before. And there does seem to be a nice little injection of talent, Italian talent, along with New Zealanders and English and South Africans in the mix. So a very key and difficult game, I would think, for Munster Rugby on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. As, as you said, they're, they're scoring bucket loads of tries. They have a very powerful pack. And they now are kind of G'd up like they're, they're seeing the Dragons, what they've done. And they, they're going to have no fear. I think that's the key as well. They're, they're going to have absolutely no fear of playing Munster on Saturday, on Saturday night. And yeah, our 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 pack have to stand up quite obviously, like in terms of scrum. But I, we also have to lay down a marker early, because um, if we don't, the way the game is going, it'll be it'll be just like the Dragons game. It'll be six, nine, twelve. They'll be they'll be able to kick their penalties, and they certainly will be going down the line of mauling. They'll certainly gonna gonna try mauling, and uh, yeah, you we, we have to almost almost. Get our game going and play to our game and not be playing catch up with them. It has to be a fast start from a Munster rugby perspective here. Look, there will be a big crowd down Musgrave Park expecting to be uh, a good performance, a much improved performance here. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a difficult one, particularly if uh, Zebra is still in it. I think the invincibility here of Munster rugby is pretty much done at, the, at this moment of time, particularly with that Dragons result. I think any team in the URC... We'll fancy a right crack off Munster Rugby on the basis of these first two performances. So Munster are vulnerable, but the only way that Munster can respond here is producing in the training paddock this week and hopefully providing a bit of a performance, you know, more of a cohesive performance here. Malachi Fakatoa did show glimpses along with Dan Goggin, um, you know, last weekend. But again, it has to be very much cohesive here. Uh, the back line and forwards just was completely out of sync. So I think from that perspective here, Liam, it's a key game for Munster. It's a key game for Graham Rountree here, as you've alluded to. I know preseason games can be written off fairly quickly, 
But the fact that Munster, I believe, didn't score any points in the first half of those games should have been probably an indicator for us that maybe all wasn't well heading into the start of the season. But again, I think it's a key one here, the likes of David CC. I think there's there's scope here for Zebri to be optimistic here, uh, particularly um, given with their pack, how they've competed so far. So they will come here energised and Munster really have to pick up the pace. But I suppose it's been a very difficult first few weeks here for Munster Rugby. Uh, Liam, you know, Chris Farrell now being removed from Munster Rugby playing activity really until his judicial legal situation is being kind of uh, closed out. I mean, there was an appeal today to a higher French court here to annul that September 22nd ruling on that trial. But, I mean, again, there's been a catalogue of kind of announcements here that really haven't really helped here in terms of the mindset or the the psychological mindset of the side. Take, for example, the Caroline Currid departure news only really leaked by the Irish Independent on Tuesday. Yeah, it stinks, doesn't it? I mean, n- no thank you for your contribution for Caroline Currid at all. No mention. No uh and Carl Sheridan coming in effectively kind of in our place, but again, no position announced. It was like, you know, just just pick this guys around and let's 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 pop them in in case anyone else is is asking questions, you know. But um yeah, Chris Farrell, look, he, all I can say about him is he, he could be out for the season, you know. So we're down a center. Um Sneeman. Certainly, certainly not looking good again. We could be out without him for so effectively. We have two professional players down already, um, and the I think the psychological almost damage that is in the squad is going to be hard to repair. Like to be honest about it, I would get like a medicine man or shaman, and I would like do a cleansing ceremony or whatever, whether you believe it or not, because. The vibes are just not good, you know, within that squad. Something radical almost has to happen to to save the season that's already just two games in. I think you've touched upon it. I mean, the fixture list right now, no disrespect to the Dragons particularly, I think Cardiff Blues would do a rate particularly. You know, we've felt even last season that... They wanted to pick the, the Welsh regions, but the Dragons game, you would think, would have been kind of a certain 4-5 pointer. The fact that they're now they're eight points behind Ulster and Leinster in this URC standings, you see the South African team's competitive, Edinburgh, Glasgow are up there. The fact of the matter here, Liam, is going into the November Test Match Series, Test Match Series, Munster could be well and truly out of touch here, which means no Heineken Cup, no revenues for the following year, we can talk about Parky Keefe all we want in terms of South Africa all sold out. The fact is, there could be prospects of travelling over to Siberia the season after next and a Challenge Cup. That could be the reality of the situation here for Munster Rugby. But I suppose going back to the Caroline Currid news, I just had Axel Foley in my head when he mentioned about Tyler Bledenthal and, you know, looking after your own, you know, as if they were one of your family. And the fact that there was no acknowledgement there's no press release. You go onto the Munster website and you look at the coaching staff. There's nothing to do with a performance psychology person anywhere. So from a Kyle Sheridan perspective, if he was getting the job, I would have liked to see Kyle being announced. You know, that's it's a professional rugby club here. You should be formally announcing these things. 
acknowledging the contributions of Caroline Currid. She stepped away at the back end of last season, at the end of the season, obviously, but should have been acknowledged for it. I've struggled to see where there's a press release there. I think it just is, shows a lack of empathy, a lack of class within this organisation, which has been once renowned for being that, a classy organisation. So I think from that perspective, an awful lot of things have to really, mindset-wise, have to change. Even something simple as that, they've read the room wrong in that, I think. I think the Chris Farrell situation, look, this higher court, French appeal, could take until spring. fact of the matter is, I think his season is over. So we're stretched. Antoine Frisch, uh, Malachi Fikatoa, Rory Scandal. There are three-quarter options, I would say. And Liam Combs as well probably comes into the picture here, Liam, as well. So I think from that perspective, I think we're a little bit stretched here, particularly three-quarters. So, you know, Fikatoa's had a kind of a playing history of injuries as well. Granted, he's been going well the last few games. Hopefully he stays fit because otherwise, I think we're in a spot of bother. Yeah, yeah, we we absolutely are. No, to be fair, I, I actually rate Liam Coombs. I just always think back to that scarless game yeah. last season, like when he got one of his few opportunities to shine. And he certainly took it. Um, but yeah, we we, we, are, we we certainly are a bit stretched there. I mean, I suppose, look, Shane Daly, I always wanted to see Shane Daly at centre at, at 13. Um, yeah. So hopefully we might, we might get to see some of that experimentation this year. Um, I suppose Dan Goggins is also there, you know. So I suppose there are there are some other options available for that. But well, yeah, if you're, yeah, I think if you're a head coach, you have to experiment now because really if you're depending on three guys here, like Anton Frisch is gone on the Irish emerging, the emerging Ireland tour. Um, so he has got to be creative here in terms of Liam Coombs, I think, best position is probably three quarters here. So why not kind of experiment, you know, even starting on Saturday, to be perfectly honest. don't think he's put a step wrong, really, Liam Coombs. So Roy Scannell's only just coming back from full fitness uh, after he set back against Cardiff Brew. So I think it's opportunity knocks. I think new head coach, I think Prendergast particularly, has to run the rule over the squad here and kind of make some kind of astute calls, I think, early. Because squad depth-wise, particularly in three quarters, could be a little bit kind of an issue here as we kind of go through uh, the season, particularly if Chris Farrell is unavailable. Yeah, and also I, I, I would go with um, uh, trying uh, Patrick Campbell. Smashing, yes, smashing yeah. talent, and, and and I suppose the most obvious pressing matter again is uh, a kind of tight head prop or props in general. And to be honest with you, I would I would even give you know, Mark, Mark Donnelly or or O'Connor. I I would give them a go as well because um we're again we're we're kind of we have our our our, our second choice prop kind of isn't isn't on form our third choice prop is like basically sidelined he's played i don't know 20 something minutes <laughs> over the course of a season so those guys i would like i would like to see those those two guys get a chance quite early on actually this season yeah i completely agree with you there i think given it's a results business here for graham Rountree, he's really going to have to evaluate the training paddock he's going to have to evaluate who are the guys in form right now and have a gut check and basically get these guys in because it needs players on form to kind of lift the siege mentality I would say here at Munster Rugby particularly it's been a very difficult start of the season and we've kind of as we said highlighted on the podcast that it's a very troublesome fixture list coming after every rugby you have that tricky trip to Galway I suppose with Connacht Rugby and I suppose we can get to them there because I think the key news coming out of Connacht Rugby in the South African Tour is uh, 
the availability of Bundy Akai um, for eight weeks, given that clear out against the Stormers. I suppose no real arguments here in terms of the red card here, but uh, God, eight weeks. Uh, he's going to be unavailable for November Test Match Series. Does it cast a bit of a question mark over the players' long-term ambitions for the national team? And I suppose it's very detrimental to Connacht Rugby. So pivotal in this part of the season. Yeah, like I mean, he, like this he's he's their superstar, you know. He's he's their their go-to man, and to be fair, he when he plays, he always does deliver for for Connacht. But yeah, I mean, he casts a doubt now over his participation in, in in the World Cup, and you know whether he can be depended upon to keep the head. I mean, I do remember at the last World Cup, was it not? He got sent off against Samoa. Do yep. I remember? Um, so he has he has history there, you know, um, and you know this may lead to a chance for other players such as Stuart McCluskey to to be given uh, their chance. Um, but yeah, it's a massive it's a massive amount of the season that he's now going to miss pretty much from now right up to Christmas, you know. Um, it was a incredibly silly thing for him to do. I mean, there was no arms whatsoever. If he had half an arm up. For mitigating circumstances, it might it might have worked, and um, yeah, I'd say the, the guy that he took out, like you know, is actually also in a bad bad way now, you know, um, and yeah, I I just I just think he he's always kind of you know tackled, I think questionably, but now like for for the likes of a clear out, I mean, it's just unjustifiable. Yeah, and the clear out has been a key part from rugby during the off season. But this is a kind of a key area for them to really kind of clamp down on these clear outs. I mean, I don't think Bundy has any excuse here, really. And as you say, the Stormers player that got the impact, he's out long term and really did spark an awful lot of outrage in South African rugby circles after it. I mean, such a promising player is now out long term given the given uh, the injury that he sustained in that incident. So, I mean, from Bundy's perspective, again, he was borderline petulance in terms of the red card. You know, just take your punishment, get off the pitch. But to remonstrate so childishly, I would describe it as, it really did him no favours going into a disciplinary panel. He can apologise all he wants after the game, but he's kind of has form of this now, uh, Liam. And I think if you're Andy Farrell here, Andy Friend, I think... There has to be a bit of a discussion here on the player, really. Can you? I think you touched on it. Dependency, depending on a guy, particularly when you get to a World Cup 2023, is something like that going to happen? And it's going to jeopardise, you know, a team's fortunes. You know, four years of a cycle. So I think for Bundy Akai, magnificent player, but I think this incident may raise an awful lot of question marks here. And with the November Test match series, you say primed for Stuart McCluskey now to really kind of come in here make some impressive cameos here and uh, maybe secure that squad berth to go into France, which would be could be a nightmare situation for Bunny Akali, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as I said, like, look, Chris Farrell is also out. So, I mean, yeah, you would say McCluskey is, is, is next in line, really, there. Um, I, I think with with Bundy Aki that... Like you know, you 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 it's part of his game at the same time. You can't take it out. You know that South Sea Islander tackling, high tackling, bustling forward. You know what I mean? You don't want, you don't want to kind of rid him of that either, like because that that's 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 his game essentially. You know? Yeah, like Papa Lee as well. You know that 
kind of tackle technique really cost them you know you do as you say rightly these players have to be on the edge but again there has to be some pragmatism here that tackling technique the clearing of breakdowns now the referees have been warned they're being assessed so heavily on that aspect to play now from world rugby and the assessors on the urc that again some flashpoint like that is going to be absolutely highlighted so i think from the perspective and Connacht Roby's perspective, I think it's imperative to kind of go away and start reviewing the technique in terms of breakdown because I felt that with Muscle Rugby as well here, Liam, in terms of the Dragons. There's a little bit of uncertainty in terms of the breakdown area right now, I think, from Muscle Rugby, particularly on the clearouts, the extent of the clearouts. You know, it's there's still a little bit of a kind of transitional period here, I think, from Muscle Rugby in that area. I think it's how much you can kind of get away with essentially apologies for uh, the comment but i think it's that sort of what's the borderline here what's the threshold from being kind of a good clear out to one that's kind of completely over the top so i think it's that kind of um and I, that's not just must rugby i think it's quite a few teams as well have had teething problems particularly in the breakdown so yeah but i think for the player itself eight weeks is just for such a compressed fixture list some key games here that he's going to be missing here, Liam. So, again, hopefully he doesn't come back to haunt the player, but it's kind of capped kind of a... Again, I thought Connick did pretty decent in um, Stellenbosch against uh, the Stormers. Kept in the game with some good opportunities. They spurned as well, but, again, you can't really kind of expect much more of a full-time score when a player of that magnitude gets sent off in the second half. So, yeah, hopefully lessons have been learned from Connick Ropey's perspective here. Yeah, and of course, like, you know, it's no coincidence that basically Connor collapsed after he was gone and and uh, that the Stormers got the bonus point. You know what I mean? It, it, is, it is all related. It, it, do you know what I mean? It's 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 not just his terrible clear out, but the fact that he cost them the game, you could nearly say. Yeah, like even first half, they did have opportunities really lean. They were very competitive, I thought. They had a few good opportunities straight in front of the Stormers post. I remember Dennis Buckley, ball being knocked away, kind of that could have been a decisive moment. So they did have their chances here, uh, Liam. But again, it's been a tough start for Connacht Rugby as well. Like they prop up the table along with Munster Rugby now, and I suppose it doesn't get much easier um, uh, tomorrow. Like they're facing the Bulls uh, tomorrow. Um, so hopefully it goes well, better for Connacht Rugby because they need a performance and they need a few points on the board. Supposedly, we can probably look to probably the marquee game of round three uh, in the Kingspan. Ulster Rugby, Leinster Rugby, and by all accounts, both teams are fully stacked. What are you expecting from the, the game on Friday night? Oh, brilliant. Yeah, look, there's just, just, just so much to look forward to, you know. Um, I'm looking forward, I have to say, to, to seeing how John Cooney goes again. Who, um, You know, to me, like, their five-star performance... Um, and a guy who I think just has to be looked at. He just has to be looked at over the course of the next year for Ireland. I mean, it's in, in World Cup year, every country who has players actually available, they should look at, at, at selecting them and trying them out. Um, I'm yeah, I'm I suppose I'm looking forward to the the scrum battle, you know, because uh, the have some very good scrummaging props. Um, who are like probably next in line really for for Ireland. So I, I, I that's that's going to be key. And of course the breakdown, where you could see Leinster really like you know 
at times making hay. I mean, the, you know, the thing is that what intrigues me is we're so early in the season and the teams are front loaded, they're fully loaded because I guess of the the emergent trip, all those guys. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see um, what Ulster can bring because so early in the season, it's such a great test for them at home. Yeah, it's it's an early season marker, isn't it, Liam? For both sides to see where they are. I mean, Leinster, they had a kind of a close enough-ish win in Italy against Ebry, but then they backed it up with a very convincing win against Benetton, who in the opening day of the season did absolutely destroy Glasgow Warriors in, in Italy in the opening round. So, I mean, mission accomplished. Same with Ulster. Ulster have been scoring phenomenally heavy. You know, with their win against Connacht, they put 50-plus points against the Scarlets round two. But again, this is where teams are really going to really know where they are. And as I said, I, I'm, I'm very fascinated in terms of that front five battle. Uh, particularly, you have Rob Herring, Tom O'Toole, uh, Alan O'Connor, Kieran Treadwell. And then you have the likes of Andrew Porter, Dan Sheehan, Michael Alatoa, Ross Maloney and Jason Jenkins. Our friend Jason Jenkins, he's been playing out of his skin for Leinster since the start of the season. Why haven't we seen that again from Munster? That's a different story altogether. But the fact of the matter is, that's going to be an intriguing battle for me because uh, Jenkins has been playing outstandingly well for Munster or for Ulster or Leinster. I'll have to cut that out. Um, but yeah, I think the backline battle as well will be fascinating. Mike Lowry as well against Jimmy O'Brien, the fullback battle. Hopefully the weather doesn't kind of put a dampener on it here, uh, Liam, that it's kind of, you know, dry enough conditions for two teams that are well capable of creating space out wide to really impose themselves on the game. I think it's going to be one of the set-piece games of the season for the URC. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think so too. And I think it's going to be quite a high-scoring game, you know. Both teams have been absolutely, like, running the try so far. And, of course, like, Dan Sheehan as well, you know. Um, after his four-try salvo last week as well is going to be uh, powerfully carrying as well, I reckon. Yeah, and again, the Suls bench here. Uh, a certain Johnny Sexton reappears um, on the bench. So it'll be a nice test for Ross Byrne as well, you know, to produce a good performance, you know, keep that performance in the locker for Andy Farrell, who's in down in South Africa with the Emerging Ireland touring team. But again, Johnny Sexton's there, Nick McCarthy, Will Connors, James Ryan, Abeladze, Ed Byrne, Roland Kelleher. Again, it's a very strong, strong bench, you know. And then you consider... Uh, Ulster as well have likes of Angus Curtis, Dave Shanahan, Ben Moxham, Greg Jones, Sam Carter, Marty Moore, Eric O'Sullivan, and John Andrews. So, again, fighting fire with fire here. So, I'm with you here. I think it could be a very good game in terms of the for the neutral. I think there could be plenty of tries here, and I'll be very interested to see how McCluskey goes. Um, great to see Jacob Stockdale back as well. Uh, Liam, you know, he's been off for quite a long time. That'd be such an added bonus for the Ireland squad as well, heading into World Cup year. If he's fully fit, you know, another battery option here to really kind of challenge the squad depth chart. But uh, yeah, who who do you have uh, for this one, uh, Liam? Yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna go because of the the the, the, the feel good factor, the buzz that that's around Ravenhill these times. Um, Ulster by six points. Oh well, okay, yeah, because like looking at the form, I think. This is a key one for Ulster. I think, you know, they really have to set their stall out this season to be contenders. They were so close against the Stormers in the playoffs uh, last season. 
And, uh, you know, to be fair to Ulster, I think Leinster may just nick this, but it could be very late in the day. I think maybe a two, three point win for Leinster, but I think Ulster are going to show an awful lot of good capabilities here. I think might the difference might be coming off the bench, uh, particularly in that last 10, 15 minutes. But I, I think it's all set to be an absolute firecracker. Um, Liam, we might kind of switch away from the URC here. Um, look at the emerging Irish tour. Good or a bad idea from your perspective? Oh, look, I'd, I'd have to say bad at this stage, you know. I mean, if there was one thing I was looking at, it was probably like fly half. And the fact that Frawley got injured. And that was like something we were we were really looking at. Um, and it's in, in terms of the fact that, you know, here we are, the, the URC is starting up. And all the young players who get a chance to play at a really good level are away. I would question the quality of Greekas and Pumas and Cheetahs even, you know. I mean, it's yeah, certainly it's a step up from the AIL Division 1A, but I don't know how further up it is uh, as a level. So um, in that instance, I'm questioning, I suppose, the quality of the opposition. And because of that, how much can you learn about the quality of the players that we are going to have? Yeah, I suppose I'll go for the pro, why they're going. I think it's three teams that are very fascinatingly different in their playing styles. Like the Greekers will be very unorthodox, I would say, in their kind of game plan. Very pack intensive, but do play off the cuff. Uh, an awful lot um so i know that's from my 1245 it's streaming on irishrubby.ie for anyone who wants to see the game but then you have the likes of the pumas and cheetahs i think the cheetahs for me need to be in the rc pure and simple i think they're still a team that are very competitive along with the bulls i think they're that they're the team here in this tour that you're going to have to evaluate guys on Pumas, I don't really know much about, to be perfectly fair, but I think Cheetahs we've seen in the past in terms of the, the, the rugby in the URC or Pro 14, that they have provided stern opposition for Irish teams, particularly in Bloemfontein. So I think from that perspective, it'll be a good experience for the guys that are out there. I know I'm disappointed not to see Kieran Frawley out there, but again, we see opportunities for like Crowley, Nathan Doak, uh, Robert Balacone, even Shane Daly here, who's been on the fringes here, Maybe he gets a bit of an opportunity in three quarters here in one of the games. Like Joe McCarthy here, I think is massive. He has plenty of time here to impress likes of Andy Farrell and Mike Cat and Simon Easterby. My God, you know, guys like that. There could be a few bolters coming out of this group here that have really toured very well, that the head coach and the coaches will know and get to know very well. I wouldn't be all surprised there's two or three here from this squad that do kind of get opportunities I'm even looking at Souls Bench here tomorrow, Hearling. Roman Salanoa is on the Souls Bench for Ireland tomorrow. Anton Frisch is on the Souls Bench tomorrow. So again, they're being literally blooded in fairly quick to kind of evaluate them. So I think we need to run the rule over like the Salanoa, Frisch, the likes of it's great to see Jake Flannery there, John Hotnett, Michael McDonald, Michael Millen, Dermot Barron. So I think from that perspective... Max Deegan as well, another one of these guys that if injuries do happen to key back row personnel, like some of Max Deegan, Scott Penny or David McCann could actually come in late. So, I mean, this is a, a tour where these guys have to really put the head down, really impress. And I think this will be credit in the bank for an awful lot of these players if they do impress in this tour in the next uh, week or so. 
Yeah, I mean, you were mentioned there Scott Penny, who for me is like, you know, for Ireland, he's like definitely third choice open side by far and away. Like he's, you know, yeah. I mean? he's, a, he's a smashing, he's a smashing player. Interesting years in there about Antoine Frisch, you know, he's really been fast tracked, you know, into emer- whether you call it, look at it as emerging Ireland or Ireland A. Um, he is certainly a player of all talent too, I'd have to say. And yeah, Salanoa, I mean, if, if Salanoa just keeps his fitness, he can do and then rugby pitch. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think with Salanoa, we were having a few doubts about him, particularly the fitness side of things. But he's had a good preseason. You know, some of the cameos have been pretty decent preseason. So again, he's on tour here with the Emerging Ireland tour here from South Africa. He's going to grow as a player here as well, given the expert coaching he's going to be getting here. So I think with like Sofogarty coaching him, the sky's the limit here for Salanoa. Like you look, I always continue to look back at those Hawaii high school tapes of Roman Salanoa when he was in American football. His power and pace for a big guy is phenomenal. So I think from that perspective, there are so many raw ingredients here to make him into an absolute proper test match prop. It's off the charts. So, But um, yeah, I think, to be honest, let's gauge how the tour goes. Hopefully the Greekers will provide a bit of an opposition tomorrow. But as I said, as I, said I think the Cheetahs will be the, the pinnacle. They will be the key team here that this tour will have to be evaluated on. And hopefully we get to see kind of a few guys here emerge uh, with credit. Jimmy Osborne at 13, Stuart Moore at 12, 13 tomorrow. I think that's a very exciting combination. Plenty of pace and plenty of skill set there. For the likes of Calvin Nash, Robert Balacone and Shane Day to really express themselves tomorrow. So I think to be fair uh, here, uh, Liam, I'm excited about that tour. I was a bit apprehensive there when I heard likes of Frawley. But the more I see it now, when are some of these guys going to get an opportunity to really stake a claim for an Irish training squad? So this is the next level i would say for them and, to go on a yeah, tour and thing, mark we have to remember is emerging our ireland um are playing the all blacks in yes. november if i'm right so there's, there's going to be continuity these guys yes. are going to also be playing facing the all blacks which when you look at it that way you can kind of see what the thinking is uh behind farrell bringing the squad in the first place yeah like they saw firsthand with the Maori All Blacks, you know, that representative, representative team. But it gives a sense of talent pool, squad depth. See where the form lines are in terms of these players coming coming off the rail, really, to maybe stake a claim for a more senior spot. So I think from that perspective, I ha- you have to welcome it. Like, I mean, unfortunately, it's slap bang at the start of the URC season. And I suppose if you're a Connick Rugby or a Munster Rugby right now, you'd like to see the likes of Josh Wisherly here or you know, maybe a few of the guys from Connacht that are not going to be involved here in this tour, I mean, you know, to be available. But I suppose, when do you provide an opportunity for these sort of guys who are looking to make that big impact onto the senior squad? So I think we have to embrace it. Hopefully we may see you know, a few bolters from this that this time next year here, Liam. They're announced in the senior World Cup squad for 2023. I think this is probably the pivotal tour that probably ticked a few boxes for Andy Farrell, Mike Hatton, and Simon Easterby. So I think the very best of luck for the squad here and the management. I think it's a very exciting concept. And hopefully uh, the results and the performances do back that up. Uh, Liam, do you have anything else uh, do you want to kind of chat about this evening? Um, URC-wise or anything else? Uh, I was looking a bit at the rugby championship, actually. So... 
I suppose like the the overall the overriding thing is yes, here look, here we go again. The All Blacks are back. <laughs> Another championship again. And and they seem to have discovered some real talent as well, to be fair. Um and oh a lot of the doubts around them at the first two or three games in, you know, seem to have evaporated. They seem to have their half backs in place now. They seem to have put their thirteen. Um um, they seem to have discovered two good props and an absolutely world-class hooker. So, yeah. like, suddenly things have just uh, completely changed. You know, the whole mood for them has changed. Um, but, it, it, look, it was still a very a very good champion, rugby championship. Um, and maybe the team, Reid, that hasn't come out of it that great is Australia. But... Um, yeah, overall, yeah, South Africa again, you know, played to their strengths. Um, had a lot of, I suppose, injuries in terms of a ten. Um, and like Ireland, they have to kind of come up with a, a third choice and a fourth choice uh, at ten as well. Yeah, there did seem to be a few distractions there off the pitch as well for South Africa that they had to contend with as well. A few mixed results. There was a few personnel changes as well, particularly three quarters as well. Huge end of season injuries there as well. So, yeah, I think Australia as well, they did show glimpses, particularly against South Africa at home, what they're very much capable of when they have front football. But I suppose they will bicker to the cows come home over that Renal time-wasting kind of penalty right at the end of the Belso Cup game. But, I mean, once you hear the ruling and stuff like that, I think, you know, there was warnings there. So Renal has no regrets over it, given kind of... Uh, comments that he's mentioned to the media here so yeah it was competitive even Argentina you know going over to New Zealand getting that historic win in the rugby championship it really kind of bodes well for a very competitive World Cup 2023 you can see the squads here the programs really elevating to that next level I mean Australia maybe have a little bit to do in terms of finding I still think front five wise for Australia they're a little bit you know in kind of work in progress but I think for the usual suspects, South Africa, definitely New Zealand, and also uh, Argentina as well will be there quite in the reckoning, particularly in the last eight, and God knows after that what happens. I think they're all capable of beating each other on the day here, which is very exciting, I would say, for the Rugby World Cup organised for 2023. Yeah, I say there's about 10 teams that can realistically get into the quarterfinals and, and beyond, you know? Because Australia, you might remember, are now number nine. I think you might have Fiji at 10. I mean, yeah. they're all capable, as you said, on their day of, 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 uh, of, of beating each other. Yeah, cracking. No, there have been some cracking games there in rugby championship. I mean, we didn't really kind of mention too much about Ireland going out to New Zealand winning that test series. I mean, huge, huge confidence boost for Ireland. And I mean, Foster's head was probably on the block at that stage. So it's a remarkable how a few test matches later, New Zealand top of the three in terms of rugby championship, and they're kind of looking forward now, you know, looking at some sky coverage over New Zealand. There was a few kind of frowns and, you know, concern, but I mean, the last few games have been very all-back-esque, very front football, pack-dominating, breakdown work, superb, and, you know, Lincoln play superbly well with the back line, so... You can see the new coaching additions are kind of making their mark there. But again, you know, there's a November Test Series tour here as well where people are going to be evaluated again. So it's um, it'll be interesting. I, I think there's no real... Is there a real kind of marquee favourite here for the World, World Cup 2023 right now, Liam? Would it have to be France, just in the fact that they're at home and they, they, they do have a good record and, 
I, I guess, you know, when it comes to a, a quarter final, they probably will kick on beyond that and go on a good run. They, they have, let's be honest about it, probably the best young players in the world. Players who've won two or three uh, youth world cups. So it's it's all building nicely for them. They, they also seem to the building blocks of, of good management and a really great halfback partnership as well. Yeah, I'll go along with it, but I think being the whole station as well, that adds pressure. I can only think of back when England were host the World Cup, the pressure did get to the squad and management. More the players, really. Um, that can work in one or two ways, really. So it will be interesting because France and New Zealand are in the same pool, aren't they? So it's uh, that'll be kind of intriguing to see that early game in terms of who gets first, second seed. There, that really could determine France's uh, destiny in the tournament as well. But there, as you say, there's 10 teams there well and truly capable of beating each other, which is very exciting. Where previous World Cups, you probably had maybe three or four teams down. Getting to a semi-final and then after that, then probably hedging bets on too. So I think from that perspective, I think the form book is nice and exciting for uh, next year anyway, given where we are. Liam, we might just leave it there. Um, many thanks uh, for the contributions tonight. Fingers crossed for Munster uh, against Ebury on Saturday and also to the other Irish provinces. I know Leinster and Ulster, there's only going to be one winner there or it could be a draw, given how competitive that game is, but also Connacht as well down in South Africa. Hopefully they end that South African tour on a high. But uh, many thanks, Liam, and sure we'll chat to you soon. Yeah, and ho- hopefully we'll celebrate a, a good five-star performance on Saturday. Absolutely. A bit of feistiness back in that Munster pack would be kind of... Uh, a nice one, Liam. But uh, until then, sure, we'll give, run the rule over that anyway next week. Uh, we'll talk to you then. Good man. Go on. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles, and reports.